I'm Lizanne Flynn. I'm a master healer who works with all earthlings to reunite them within themselves and with each other, regardless of the dimension they're currently in. Meaning, I'm a medium as well as an animal communicator, medical intuitive, and channel for all beings. I use the tools of shamanic journeying and soul retrieval to support animals and humans as they heal from past trauma. I'm certified as a Reiki master teacher and as a canine massage therapist. This is the Animal's Eye View podcast. the number of times that I've said to guardians of companion animals in their role as clients of mine, when you shift your energy, they will shift theirs. I'm going to repeat that. When you shift your energy, they will shift theirs. I think sometimes as humans, and particularly where the behavior of our animal companions is concerned. We think that it exists inside a vacuum, meaning, oh, well, Fighter or Fluffy or Simon or Stuart, they're now doing something and I don't understand. And can you please tell me why they're doing something? With animals, there is usually, especially when they're living with humans, a cause and an effect. And so... If you want their behavior to change, you must first shift your energy. And to a certain extent, I guess probably the most obvious example I can come up with that right off the top of my head is all of the frustration, all of the concern, all of intense frustration, I'm going to say that twice, concern, maybe even anxiety, fear over perhaps a certain behavior change on the part of your animal companions that comes in on your part as their guardian is felt by them. And so to a certain extent, that's counterintuitive to solving the issue, or at least perhaps more accurately, as I'm hearing in my head, what humans see as the issue of their change in behavior. And to a certain extent, it's usually behavior that we don't want to happen either inside or outside of our homes. They're not using the litter box like they should. They all of a sudden have started to resource guard about their food. They are have started to be even more reactive toward animals and humans when I take them outside their walk. All of a sudden, they have started to gnaw on the inside of their kennel, perhaps if we're talking about a guinea pig or a rabbit. All of a sudden, they're starting to crib or chew on the bit if we're talking about a horse. And I'll say it for the third time, when you shift your energy, they will shift theirs. And this is certainly not to say that as a being in human experience, These emotions that you have coming up are probably really valid. You are probably seeing behavior that somewhere, either in your brain or in your gut, which is the second brain, as we have talked about before, 
you're seeing behavior that tells you, I'm feeling anxiety on the part of my companion animal slash partner. And so because I'm in charge of managing this environment with them, and truth be told, you're kind of the ultimate arbiter of what comes into said environment with your animal companion slash partner, that you know something has gone awry. Something is amiss. They're either getting too much of something and they're not getting enough of something else. They're in, and this is where the kind of fun part, I freely admit, of being a little bit of a detective, where energy is concerned and entering into the beginning stages of perhaps a new or maybe a continuing animal companion communication session begins for me. Because then I get to look into all sorts of different areas of energy, and we've talked before how they're with you 24-7, 365. And so if you think something that's going on in your love life is not going to get picked up by them, if you think that something is going on at work that you don't think is going to get picked up by them, au contraire, they will as I've often said to you, and this is not my phrase, I can't take credit for it, they will read you like yesterday's newspaper. And so inside of your relationship with your animal family members, their behavior simply cannot exist because it's not existing inside of a vacuum. Everything is kind of part and parcel, particularly so, I think, of every single behavior change that you happen to see that kind of crops up or perhaps a previous little quirk of theirs happens to all of a sudden become worse, then yeah, those are the moments when as a guardian, I would definitely invite you to start asking some questions. And because here's the thing, from my perspective not from the animals, I'm kind of speaking as a light being in her own human experience, I perceive that animals are as close to perfection as you can get on planet Earth. Plants and crystal beings are right up there with them. This podcast is about animals, and so that's where we're going to stick. Because they are so unified with their experience, and as compromised from the human perspective as we think that is. And what do I mean by compromised? I will present to you the animal experience. They let someone else choose their food for them. They let someone else choose and to a certain extent mandate where they sleep, how they live, where and how they poop, how they walk outside We manage everything about their experience here. And I would invite you to ask yourself, if you were on some other planet, and you might even just not have to go to another planet, you could probably even just say, would I want to step in and truly step into? And don't spare me all of the, oh my God, my dog is living the life of Riley, and if I could have the life that my cat has, et cetera, et cetera. The animals and I are not here for that. It just just ask yourself the question, and don't even use your companion animal. Switch into another companion animal that you might see, I don't know, either that 
your best friend has or a member of your family has, or let's stretch this even a little bit and let's stretch ourselves a little bit, ask yourself if you would step into the life of a dog or a cat or a parakeet or an iguana or a guinea pig or some other animal that is currently living a life at their local animal shelter. Would you want to step into an experience where your very continuation of a life path is completely dependent upon the people who work there and the other humans who happen to volunteer there. And I'm not going to ask you to say, oh my God, yes, Lizanne, absolutely, or just NFW. <laughs> that that Because that's not what this is about. This is about your feeling momentarily, even in your imagination, and interpreting through the marvelous vehicle and translator that your physical form is, what that might feel like to you and what feelings and emotions are. And yet, every single time I connect with an animal anywhere, they have this stunning ability of surrender, of yielding. And humans, of course, don't like even the word surrender because to us it means to give up. And to a certain extent, humans are the epitome of, quote-unquote, management manipulators, or I would even say, i.e., control freaks. Because we can't imagine, literally imagine, giving up all the rights that we perceive we have as beings in this human experience to other beings not even in our own human experience, but to a certain extent, even beings of a different experience, say, of the animal experience. Would you want your dog to be in charge of how you live? Would you want your cat? Would you want an animal in the wild to be in charge of how you live and basically mandate all of the things that we're talking about? Chances are good that you wouldn't, which is why I have often said when I'm asked a question and I'm digressing just a teeny tiny bit, that I do perceive that the beings who choose to inhabit an animal experience down here on planet Earth are different than the beings who choose to inhabit a human experience. I don't perceive that necessarily you can hop off one track and hop onto another, because I think that an animal soul path is an animal soul path and a human soul path is a human soul path. And I, I, it again, it's my perception and you're welcome to disagree with me. I just think those are two different things because people often say, oh, well, yeah, when I come back to planet earth, I'm going to come back as an animal. And that's not where, what we're here to talk about today, but just something I think, you know, food for thought sort of a deal. And so my first question always is with, especially new clients of mine, is when was their last vet visit, if we're seeing behavior changes? I'm going to ask that if the vet visit has been close to a year or even a little over a year, maybe even more than six months, especially if we have a health issue going on, that they kind of check in with their vet first. Because not surprisingly that there definitely can be health conditions that have behavioral changes actually as an 
external indicator of said health condition that's kind of lying underneath the surface. So that's the first thing. I, I would I would want to rule out any thyroid issues, Addison's, Cushing's, if we're talking about dogs, etc. And again, the list is endless, but we leave that up to the vet because that's their bailiwick to figure out. So if then the answer to that question is, why, yes, they have had a vet visit within the last six months and everything is fine. Then my second question is always going to be, what changed in their environment when their behavior changed? This is where I referenced earlier the detective work, because this is when I start to follow not exactly rabbit holes, that's not the quite the right word, but different branches, if you will. Picture a tree and different branches that branch up they all kind of are still attached to the main trunk, that being the behavior and your relationship with your companion animal. But there's lots and lots and lots of ways that a cause and effect for behavior changes kind of comes in. And this is where you, as their leader, can start to begin to doing your leading work. Because this is when it tends to get a bit sticky for the human. Sometimes blaming, sometimes justifying, sometimes defending about whatever it is that changed. Because you as guardian, as we've talked about, are co-creator and master manager of their environment. It is up to you to shift your energy around that particular thing. Because they will follow that lead. Trust me on this. (laughs) They're incapable of not following your lead because when you realign whatever little energy piece has been suddenly pushed out of place, they will automatically recognize what has happened and they will automatically step then back into that place of realignment and let go of that behavior that has frankly, just been driving you a bit mad. In the leader role means that you are capable of synthesizing your needs at at the same time with theirs. And that's where the not blaming, justifying, and defending comes in. And as an aside, I would invite all y'all to try that at least for a 24-hour period, to not blame, justify, or defend anything to anyone. Try it just for 24 hours. If you can make it successfully to that 24 hours, I would invite you to extend that out maybe over a weekend. I would then invite you to extend that over maybe seven days. The goal being is that as you go through your life path from this point forward, you refrain as much as possible from blaming justifying or defending anything to anyone. Because most certainly animals don't do that. They are the first ones to narc on themselves about the behavior. They're the first ones to go, oh yeah, God, that barking. Oh yes, it's so out of control. Yes, I know. Oh yes, that jumping on people. Yes, absolutely. I'm uncomfortable with that as well. And human guardian, I need your help with how to support me as I attempt to manage that. Again, it's the more you think of it as kind of being in a co-leader position with them, with you taking the main lead role, the better that this is going to be for you. Humility will most definitely be your friend as you understand that their feedback or their experience with you is where they excel in their experience with us. 
meaning. Say, for instance, you just recently started a new job and you just think this new job is absolutely fabulous. It was a raise in pay. Yes, it means that um, the corporate headquarters that you have to go to three times a week is a little bit further, which means you get home a little bit half an hour later. But that doesn't matter because actually you get to be around the corporate people and certainly at this point rub elbows with the corporate bigwigs. And this kind of means your career is on the right track and you're just really happy about about that, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, you're having to bring work home on the weekends a little bit more often than you used to. But again, you're just really kind of jazzed about that. And you think this is all fabulous and wonderful and everything is hunky-dory. However, from your animal companion's perspective, and let's, let's go with dog just because we can. You might see where I'm going with this. You're getting home a half an hour later means that their dinner hour is pushed back by maybe half an hour. If we build a walk-in immediately when you hit the back door or the front door, that means that maybe their dinner is maybe pushed back another hour beyond that. It means that they don't get to necessarily go to the dog park as many times and or for as long as they used to on the weekends because you're bringing home work to work on at home on the weekends and you're rubbing elbows with the big wigs also means that your energetic fingerprint for lack of a better word has started to shift and expand that in and of itself is not a bad thing but the episode of friends comes to mind where monica is kind of making fun of um, Chandler when they have dinner with his boss and his boss's wife. And she tells Chandler that, hey, you've adopted this really fake laugh. And I don't think I want to do this with you anymore. Come to these dinners, etc., etc." And the bottom line is that your animal companion is not right or wrong, and you're not right or wrong. The bottom line is about communication. The bottom line is about you recognizing as a leader, huh, okay, yeah, wow. So I'm getting home a half an hour later than usual. Okay, so if I want to stick to the same schedule, and goodness knows dogs love their schedule, they love their routine, and I'm just going to raise a paw with claws on it. My cats, I can tell you very much love their routine (laughs) as much as anybody else. So it's not just picking on dogs week, folks. That you can look at that picture and say, okay, so how am I going to manage this? How am I going to shift my energy as much as possible and make sure that that relationship I have with my animal companion, who did not have a change in their job to do, I was the one who had the change in my job to do. And again, as humans, we're really fond of the blaming, justifying, and offending. We're saying, well, yeah, but I got this really new job. And this means that I that I can afford the more expensive brand of dog food that I always wanted to try. I can take them on different road trips, et cetera, et cetera. Your animal companion is only concerned what's happening in the next moment. That's where they're inviting you to bring your attention and intention into that space So that you can understand, okay, mm -hmm, yep, how can we problem solve this together? How can I make sure that, not that they live in a bubble, because they understand what's going on with you, but how can I reassure them by my 
actions and by my presence and most importantly by my energy that as I shift to this new change, I can bring them along with me. Because in excelling and sharing the feedback with us, the key is that it's never done with rancor or spite or animosity. It is quite direct and at times bracing like a cold breeze is. I would invite you to lean into it as if you were leaning into that same breeze whose sole purpose is to wake you the F up and understand what's going on may or may not be good for you or them. I would invite you to trust them like any good leader trusts those around them to speak the truth. There is a Japanese martial art that I was taking my oldest son to when he was, I don't know, probably eight or nine years old. He wore glasses when he was a kid. I was a little concerned as he was my oldest in running interference for him. I needn't have worried as it turns out. <laughs> I thought, well, oh, I signed him up for a martial arts class. And I was really drawn to Aikido, A-I-K-I-D-O, because it's one of the few martial arts, if not the only martial art, I perceive, that is completely defensive in nature. In other words, in Aikido, there is only defensive postures when someone is taking action against you. And the bottom line with Aikido is that you are taught to take the energy of what's coming towards you, harmonize with it, so that you can then turn it around and use it as you wish. And I've often used Aikido when I'm teaching a class or a webinar, because as humans, again, this gets back to the blaming, justifying, and defending, we're pretty good at acting defensively and probably more accurately reacting defensively. When we feel something coming towards us and we're just like, oh no, I have to, oh, this feels like an attack and I have to protect myself. I would invite you to think about the Aikido aspect of it so that you can definitely think about harmonizing with whatever energy is coming towards you and understanding that energy rather than perceiving it as an attack so that you can then turn that energy around, look inwards if you need to, harmonize with it, going back to animals being as close to perfection as possible, <laughs> and use it as you see fit because, again, the bottom line is when you shift your energy, they will shift theirs. At least that's how the animals see it. Thanks for listening today. I offer all new clients a free 15-minute consultation. Reach out if you think I can be of service via www.lizanneflynn.com. Come and find me on social media, Facebook, Twitterverse, Instagram, and LinkedIn. This has been the Animals Eye View podcast. I'll see you next time. <laughs>